Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on SportsCenter X6, on the eve of his first tournament in 2018, here Tiger Woods discusses own realistic expectations. The 2018 Baseball Hall of Fame class reveal what this year's vote means for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Plus, Kevin Durant, teed up and fed up. Is the relationship between NBA players and refs beyond repair? Wednesdays are usually just hit and giggle and have a good time. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Bill Belichick's relationship with the media, strong as ever. We'll appreciate his testy exchange once more and get the latest on Gronk's recovery later. Uh, while the Rockets are clearly the class of the NBA as we take you up to NBA countdown ahead of Rockets Mavs right here on ESPN. And why Ty Lue's next move is crystal clear. However, all those stories, quite trivial by comparison. Yeah, our top story today is the sentencing of former USA Gymnastics and Michigan State team Dr. Larry Nasser for multiple counts of sexual abuse. Nasser was sentenced to 40 to 175 years in prison this afternoon by Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, who did not mask her disgust for Nasser. As much as it was my honor and privilege to hear the sister survivors, it is my honor and privilege to sentence you because, sir, you do not deserve to walk outside of a prison ever again. You've gone off the page here as to what I'm doing. My page only goes to 100 years. Sir, I'm giving you 175 years, which is 2,100 months. I've just signed your death warrant. Dan Murphy, you were there for what was an emotional day inside the courtroom. We'll get to your observations in a moment. But first, let's hear some of the victim impact statements made by these survivors. You made everyday conversation while you were assaulting me, as well as comments to me, which I will never forget. How does this feel? And does this make you feel better, Kaylee? I only said yes, holding back my tears, pain, and disgust in hopes that you would stop. So, Larry, I ask you, how are you feeling right now? I truly believe, for some reason or another, that I was meant to be here today. You were meant to get caught. You were meant to be locked up for the rest of your life. MSU and USAG's culture of enabling predators is meant to end. As for us, we are meant to thrive. We are meant to be happy. We are meant to put an end to sexual abuse. All right, Dan, the victim impact statements, one of the more compelling parts about what happened in in court today. But what more can you tell us about what happened there uh, inside the courtroom? After those statements finished up, and it, there was seven full days of them, it was the main point of, of what's happened here in Lansing over the past week. But when they finished up, Larry Nasser had an opportunity to address the court. At one point, he spun around and faced the gallery full of women that had uh, made statements against him and against others over the past week. Um, that was maybe the most emotional moment in court. Many of the women started crying. I spoke to one afterwards who said that it was Nasser's last attempt to manipulate them emotionally. They were ready to put that behind him. Eventually, the judge told him he had to get back in front of the microphone to finish whatever he wanted to say. It's just a short statement. Um, 
Your words these past several days, your words, your words, have had a significant emotional effect on myself and is shaking to my core. I also recognize that what I am feeling pales in comparison to the pain, trauma, and emotional destruction that all of you are feeling. There are no words that can describe the depth and breadth of how sorry I am for what has occurred. An acceptable apology. Sir, you need to stay at the microphone or they can't hear you. An acceptable apology to all of you is impossible to write and convey. I will carry your words with me for the rest of my days. By the time he was done, I think most people in this courtroom had, had no uh, remorse or no bit of sorrow left for, for Larry Nasser. And um, he'll be in bars now for at least 99 years when his parole is up. That's all from a long week here in Lansing, Jamel. All right. Thank you. And it'll be even a longer time for many of the survivors uh, to come to grips with everything that's happened to them. So thank you, Dan, for joining us. We appreciate your coverage. Okay, we welcome in Bob Lee from Outside the Lines. Thanks, Bob, for joining us. You all have extensively covered this Larry Nassar case. Uh, Let's start kind of at the, not necessarily the beginning, but starting with the the biggest news today, obviously the sentencing. But why does it seem like everyone involved in this case, that everything has been so reactive and nothing has been necessarily proactive? The only proactivity you've really seen is from law enforcement, Mm -hmm. from the judge, from the prosecutors. But when you look at all the other parties, the U.S. Olympic Committee, USA Gymnastics, Michigan State, uh, even the NCAA. Last Thursday, Mark Emmert, after three days of this heart-rending testimony, saying, well, I really don't know enough. And last night, they say they're going to send out uh, the, the letter of inquiry for a possible investigation. People have been chasing the facts and have not been in front of it. And you get a sense that, I mean, this stuff... It, it hasn't required a lot to do your homework if you're in a responsible party here to see what has been out in the public record for the better part of 16 months. Did you need to hear these women in court saying these things for the last seven days to believe he copped to the plea that you could have been doing some of these things earlier? Uh, the judge just throwing that aside with disdain basically said it all today. But uh, people have been playing catch up and I think they're still playing catch up and some are still in denial. Yeah, uh, certainly. I think people would look at Michigan State, the leadership tree and have those questions. I, as an alum, certainly have those questions. And as somebody who covered the university, uh, when you look at Luanna Simon and, and the board, uh, it, you mentioned the, the victim impact statements, over 150 of those made uh, in court over the last two weeks. Let's listen to a portion of what Rachel Van Hollander uh, had to say in her victim impact statement. While Larry is unlikely to live past his federal sentence, he is not the only predator out there. And this sentence will send a message about how seriously abuse will be taken. So I ask, how much is a little girl worth? How much priority should be placed on communicating that the fullest weight of the law will be used to protect another innocent child from the soul-shattering devastation that sexual assault brings? I submit to you that these children are worth everything, worth every protection the law can offer, worth the maximum sentence. There were a lot of very emotional victim impact statements, but why did that one in particular... Uh, resonate with you? Well, there's the perfect poetry. Remember, she was the first woman to publicly accuse Nasser in late summer of 2016, and she was the last survivor to speak today out of 150, 658 women. She's an attorney. She laid out 
For 37 minutes, she spoke a bill of particulars, much of it not just directed at the court or directed at Larry Nassar, directed directly at Michigan State and wanting to know answers. But I got to tell you, as a, as a father and a grandfather, to, <clears throat> to hear somebody say, how much is a little girl worth? If that doesn't reduce it to its most base emotional terms, I don't know what does. And it should cause everybody who had suasion over this man for the last 20 plus years to say, where could we have stopped him? And she laid it out today. Uh, she, she, as the judge called her, she said, you're the five-star general of this army of sisters. Mm. And, and she is. She's a remarkable woman. Yeah, it was uh, very impactful to, yeah. he- to hear her say that. You said a moment ago about the NCAA issuing their letter of inquiry. Nasser is sentenced today, so maybe the criminal part of this is closed, but it still seems like a lot of things have been unresolved. Uh, why is this case far from over? Well, it's far from over, and I think the NCAA may actually be the least of it. Um, there are a lot, and, and again, Rachel Den Hollander laid out a specific list of questions at Michigan State of, of who was in a position to know. Our reporting on outside the lines, John Barr, uh, Dan Murphy, uh, online and also on television last week, going back to the 90s for people bringing it to people's attention. Uh, other entities showing through through latter years, multiple instances of taking it to the school. And when you hear some of the public comments and you see uh, the steadfast uh, stance behind the president to the exclusion of any other course of action, in fact, presupposing that the attorney general is going to clear everybody, and Mr. Ferguson, the vice chair of, of, of the region, saying, well, Nasser was a sole actor. He was on an island together. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. How can you say that now? This is, we just closed chapter one, and this is a, a, a dramatically true novel that is going to play out. We're just getting started, both as journalists, as fact finders, and I think these institutions, all of them coming to terms. I mean, USOC today, late in the sentencing process, issued a statement from Scott Blackman calling for all the remaining directors of the Gymnastics Federation to resign. Could have done that a while ago. Did you have to wait till today? Yeah, and, and sometimes it's not about who knew what they did sometimes just as telling is what they didn't do and i i wrote about that for the undefeated because with the president luana simon in particular yeah you knew something was happening with the unnamed physician but you didn't ask any any yeah. other questions you didn't follow up echoes of penn state aren't they exactly so uh i think there's going to be a lot of continued comparisons especially as the ncaa looks into this with penn state i, I can guarantee you there's more journalism being practiced by a number of entities on this and we're we're just beginning to learn. It is far from over. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. We My appreciate pleasure. you joining us. All right. Now, following the sentencing, the Detroit Free Press, they posted this very powerful image. A thank you to all of the survivors who came forward in the Larry Nasser case. Well also, done. Yeah, definitely well done. Also, the Izone, which is a student section at the Breslin Center where MSU basketball plays. Uh, apparently, these students will wear teal in support of the survivors. All right, Michael Lees, you were there. You walked with Tiger's group this morning. So keep it real with us. How did he look? Well, I mean, physically, Jamel, what we saw in the Bahamas in four rounds and during his nine holes yesterday here at Torrey Pines is confirmed. He is much healthier right now than he's probably been in about five years. Now the real question is, how does that translate to his golf game? What we saw today was a continuation of Tiger trying to work through the rust on his game, and we saw that during the program this morning. You mentioned a score of two under par. That included four birdies and an eagle, but it also included four bogeys. The good stuff for Tiger right now is his swing speed, especially off the tee with the driver. It's some really good shots and really putting it out there 
that would rank him near the top in terms of driving distance on tour. The issues that he has to work through, the ones expected. And that's with the short game, wedges in and out of the rough. He hadn't played this type of grass in a while and also some missed putts. So then the question becomes from an expectation standpoint, they've been tempered now because usually he's trying to win. He's got a different goal right now. I'll be honest with you. I just want to start playing on the tour and get into a rhythm of playing a schedule again. Um, I haven't I haven't done that in such a long time, so I, I don't know what to expect. You know, I just go out there and just play, and uh, I'm going to grind it, give it everything I possibly have, try and put my ball in the right position, make some putts, and you know, try and work work my way up the board. I'm just trying to build towards April, and that's what I told you guys last year in the Bahamas. Is I just, I'm looking forward to playing a full schedule and getting ready for the Masters, and I haven't done that in a very long time. And, of course, he's trying to add to his major total of 14. I'll also ask him, Jamel, you know, all the aspects it takes to play quality tournament golf and contend for, for victories. I said, what aspect is the hardest to get back? And he said, shooting 65. Because there for a while, shooting 65 was really easy for me. I want to get back to that. Uh, if he shoots 65 this week, that will be a really good score because tournament conditions here should challenge the world's best golfers here over the next two days. All right. Thanks, Mike. And after you hit that first birdie, did you say Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all? I, I think you probably did. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Big time stars getting thrown out. And he's out of here. LeBron James has just been ejected. When you want to send a message to the league office, you go after the star players. And Curry has been thrown out of the game. Curry's done. And a technical foul. There's a disconnect. All right, so Kevin Durant, if he doesn't clean up his act, he may match his career total for ejections just this season. Four ejections now this year. Ejected once. I'm sorry, I said that wrong, but once during his first 10 years uh, combined. I, I beg your pardon. Anyway, picked up two texts in the second half of last night's win over the Knicks. After the game, accused official James Williams of targeting him. First half, um... I was drilling up on the right side. I made a left to right cross. He said I carried. Uh, you kind of let that go. He said I asked him where to get the carry from. He said I froze the defender. I said that's what a crossover is for. And that's why I do it, to freeze my defender. And he tried to make a bunch of excuses, and I told him he was wrong. And he went to halftime probably with an attitude. So second half, his whole thing was like he's trying to get me. So look at my first tech. I got the rebound and I dribbled the ball hard and he he teched me up. He was searching for me. He looking he looking he looking to try to take me up to get me back because he's still in his feelings from the first half. That's what's been going on around the league the whole year. It's a bunch of that, you know what I'm saying? So I got to keep my head a little bit, but I was upset. You know, I'm a human being too. I get upset, uh, but I'm gonna move on. I had I said what I had to say. So once again, one ejection coming into the season for this season. KD doing a little damage control earlier today, trying to avoid a fifth. Check it out. I looked at the plays that uh, took a couple texts and plays, and I was being a <laughs> last night. <laughs> I was being a jerk. You know, I was, he was, he was, that one foul at the end wasn't a foul. I shouldn't have slammed the ball down like I did. Uh, I can go back and say I was being a jerk last night. I deserve whatever the league is going to throw at me. I wish I'd have handled that better, obviously, but it was kind of a heat of the moment for me. I could be better. It was a great learning experience for me. I wish I could apologize to James because that was that was definitely out of my character. 
All right, Jeff Van Gundy, we'll get to Rockets Warriors in just a moment, but how much of a divide is there between officials and players, and how do you rectify this relationship? Well, I think the referees have lost a lot of talented officials over the last few years. That's hurt the depth and the experience uh, of the play callers. And I think it starts there. They're rebuilding like a bad team goes through a rebuilding stage. I think the players have to be a little bit more accepting of this rebuild uh, through no fault of the other officials. It's happening. Uh, I'm not here to apologize and say the referees are not ever at fault or you never find a guy who overreacts as an official. But all of this starts and ends with players and coaches giving respect to the officials. There is an art form to communication. You have to know how and when. Uh, And I don't think right now uh, that's being displayed as often as it should be. So there's probably uh, enough blame to go around, but I would say most of it has to be shouldered by the players and coaches to give the officials the respect that the position demands. And uh, hopefully that comes. All right, so you got Rockets, Mavs coming up later on ESPN, but let's talk Rockets, Warriors. A lot of talking going on between those two teams. Uh, Kevin Durant telling Clint Capella, your job is easy, (laughs) so he expects him to talk trash. Right now, as you see it today, for whatever it's worth, which is not much, but right now, who is the better team between Houston and Golden State? Well, the Warriors are the best team. I mean, it's not even close, but I think the Rockets are clearly the second-best team and really the only team that has a chance uh, at all, if all teams are healthy, uh, to beat this powerhouse Warrior team. Uh, Because of the greatness of James Harden and the greatness of Chris Paul and how the roster's been set up by Mike D'Antonio and how it's, I mean, uh, the roster's been set up by Daryl Morey and how uh, Mike D'Antoni uses it, uh, they have a legit chance. But the Warriors are the biggest favorite in my time in the NBA Uh, I I just think it's that big a gap between the best team and the second best team. All right, Jeff Fagrande, we appreciate it. We'll hear lots more from you later on tonight because we've got an NBA doubleheader. Once again, it is Rockets versus Mavericks, followed by Celtics and Clippers. Coverage tips with NBA Countdown following us at 7 on ESPN. All right, the moment we've been waiting for. Welcome to Cooperstown, gentlemen. The 2018 Hall of Fame inductees are... Chipper Jones in his first year on the ballot. Also, Jim Tome in his first year on the ballot. Vlad Guerrero in his second year. And Trevor Hoffman in his third. So we got a four-member class. Always a class act, Hall of Famer. Tim Kirkshen, you were a voter. Your reaction to this class? Well, I think it's a great thing for baseball that four guys got in. And with two Tigers, we're going to have six guys go in during the summer. It's great. Edgar Martinez came up just short. Next year, his last year on the ballot, I think he'll get in next year. But this is just wonderful that it starts with Chipper Jones, who, for me, is one of the four greatest third basemen of all time after Mike Schmidt. Eddie Matthews, and George Brett. He has the highest OPS of any third baseman in history. He won an MVP, and he hit in the middle of the order, basically for 14 years in a row when that team finished in first place. I believe he's been an underrated player all these years, but he got his due certainly today. Vlad Guerrero's going in. It's about time. 318 lifetime average, 449 homers. There are only five other players in history that have matched that average 
and those home runs, and those are basically the five greatest hitters of all time. That's how good that guy was. Also one of the great throwing arms we've ever seen, and a, an MVP also with the Angels. Number three, of course, is Jim Tomey. Eighth all-time in homers with 612. 956 OPS, which is really impressive. And by my unofficial count, he's a top ten first baseman of all time. Also played in the postseason ten different times. And holds a major league record with 13 walk-off homers. One of the great, consistent home run hitters of our time. And Trevor Hoffman, who just... Miss last year goes in this year. Second most saves of all time to Mariano Rivera and tied with Rivera for the most 40 save seasons in baseball history. I've got him again unofficially as the sixth best reliever of all time. And even though I believe there's still a bias against closers, they don't pitch enough. Look, when you're one of the six best of all time and you're, you're performing a very important job pitching the ninth inning, He's great, and he should be in, and one of the great character guys that I've ever met. No, you're great, because what people don't know is all those statistics you just rattled off, he wasn't looking at a sheet. I have all the sheets. He did that all from the dome, so (laughs) wonderful. I I don't have many hobbies. Uh, This is all I really care about, so thanks.